Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Farmer to see Miss Marin. What? Alexander Graham Bell to see Miss Marin. All right. Bill said he used to be with the Secret Service. There was two years with Carter, four with Reagan. Reagan got shot. Not on my ship. All my colors. You don't look like a bodyguard. This is my disguise. Well, his timing's good. Henry, I've spent a lot of time guarding people all over the world, and I found one thing to be true. No matter how incompetent the assassins, no matter how much they miss their target, there's one person who always gets hit. Who? The cocky black chauffeur. You afraid I might get picked off my snazzy running suit? No, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to jog with you. Welcome to Rewatchability, the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in today's modern era. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Robert Larone and Jay McNabb. And this week on the podcast, we're going to delve into 1992's The Bodyguard yep. with, Kevin Co- <laughs> with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. But before that, I just want to thank our, our Patreons. Thank you so much for uh, for going to patreon.com slash rewatchability and donating the cost of a coffee per month to keep the show running. You the, save our lives. <laughs> you're our bodyguard. Yeah. We'll also take coffee if you want to mail us in like a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> we can that's, reheat it. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> and for that, they get the podcast early and we may be revamping things uh, in a little bit. So uh, they might be getting more stuff very soon. Yeah. So if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash rewatchability. Now's the time. (laughs) And thank you, everyone, that came to our film screening in Toronto for My Girl on July 4th. Yeah. It was was really great to see you It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The theater fire was a tragedy. Yeah. The arrests were unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. We really expected you to behave better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was disappointing, but... uh, We can forgive. When Macaulay Culkin showed up, it was great. That was a highlight. Before he got arrested. We're recording this before it's happened. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) We're going to go there right after this. Yeah, we assume all that will happen now. I'm, we're going to make sure it happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's now get into uh, the movie we're talking about this week, which is The Bodyguard. Yeah. And we're doing this because uh, Whitney is coming out. Yeah. It's the Whitney Houston documentary. Yeah. Is the it, official Whitney Houston documentary. Right, because there was like, didn't Nick Broomfield make one a few years ago? Yeah, that's right. It was pretty big. Is this a, like a theatrical thing or is it an, an HBO thing? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do that much research. <laughs> but I do know... That this is sanctioned by the Houston family, 
even though it doesn't always necessarily paint the Houston family in a positive light. Right. Oh, okay. Wow. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice when like families are kind of a little brave like that. Like they're like, we're not perfect. You can show our faults. Well, there's a lot of those. I think they uncovered like some abuse and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, there's mm. like it's a not lot. as fun as you made it sound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not like they cheated at Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, no, no, that they, they didn't cover that. <laughs> Uh, Rob, when was the first time you saw this movie? You know, I think I have a memory of my parents watching this and me being entirely not interested in going to play Nintendo in my room. Mm-hmm. I remember it when it came out because it was a huge movie and the song was everywhere. And to me, like this came out in 1992. This was m- what an adult movie was to me. Like you knew there was going to be smooching, but <laughs> – there might be some gunplay. Big smoochers uh-huh. in this movie, yeah. <laughs> Maybe some samurai swords. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have like a strong memory. And I, it also seemed like just sort of like a big Hollywood movie. Like it was a sort of style in the 90s that wasn't necessarily full of artistry all the time. Or I don't know. I just didn't see it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of those small movies that became such a huge blockbuster. Like, yeah. I guess small in comparison to movies today where hundreds of millions are spent on them and this was like a $30 million movie. Yeah. And like it literally made a star out of Whitney Houston. I mean obviously her singing career had already sort of started to happen. Yeah, she was yeah. already a big star. Mm-hmm. But I mean in terms of like scale going from like being a, a musician to being like also a successful actor. Like she got other roles after this. Yeah. And, this like, was her first. Was mm-hmm. considered like you know an – a, um, a breakout performance? Well, it's considered like she was a, an actor-musician, not just a musician. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I wish that we had had a guest for this because I know for a lot of people, Whitney Houston was like a huge yeah. presence. Like I was talking to my wife about this and like Whitney Houston was like, you know, the first like tape she got as a kid. Whoa. It was like this huge uh, – Was it the bodyguard This huge presence. Like- I think it was pre-bodyguard. Oh, okay. I think – I don't remember. See, like, I wish I had someone that was more of a fan because she was like this huge pop cultural phenomenon, but maybe not as much to the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll speak more to the Costner of it all. I (laughs) I mean, I had the first three albums, but. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Jay? When did you first see it? Yeah. Like you, it was one of those movies that seemed very adult. So I didn't see it right away. I love doing those movies where it was like. Where it seems so mature and adult, and yeah. watching it now is so goofy. I'm like, this is what adults were doing? <laughs> they, were, they were going to see this? Yeah, they were just knocking kids off boats and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean in, within the oh, movie. Oh, within the movie. I mean, like, adults of our generation. If, right. if they went out for, like, an adult night out, they were, like, going to see this nonsense. <laughs> I do remember – I tried to look this up online, and I couldn't find it mentioned anywhere. But I do remember that, like, the movie was advertised on the back of comic books. <laughs> oh yeah Do you remember that? i faintly remember that like in the max milk i'd see like through the rack i'd see on the back of a comic the body yeah. this, this post yeah they would like and it made me th- realize like they put some weird movie like did they like yeah. make a nintendo game out of this no like, is that what you <laughs> there went probably to, was is that what you went to play when you didn't watch this movie <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> press b to accept date <laughs> but why would they market this movie to kids or did they think like adults reading comic books would be lonely and want to go see this movie i, I don't it, know i think someone sold it to them like you know when you look at your kid and all you see is the back of a comic book well, that's where we're going to put this poster. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, because their kids are reading comic books all the time. There was also uh, 
the another Kevin Costner movie I remember being at, advertised on the back of comic books was A Perfect World. Okay. Remember that? Which is another movie, a weird movie to put on like kid stuff because it's about a kid being kidnapped. <laughs> what were people thinking in the 90s? Like a line they, number at the bottom? <laughs> in the 90s, they thought the best way to keep kids from being kidnapped was to terrify kids that they were going to be kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, being kidnapped by <laughs> by the very famous Kevin Costner. It didn't seem so bad. You can <laughs> ask him questions about ball. <laughs> He protect you at least. Yeah. yeah, a lot of baseball. But yeah, I didn't see it till like a few years later on TV, and I think it was on TBS, and it was censored, so there weren't any f bombs or mm. sexual innuendo. But I guess I were there f bombs and sexual innuendo? There were a couple. It was rated R. Okay. It was wow. it was it was an R rated. It was movie. a steamy movie. It was steamy <laughs> for like one scene. I think and then it's never it's 35 again. degrees in Toronto right now. That's why it was steamy. Oh, steamy in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Blaine? My mom was like a huge Kevin Costner fan. Of All course. moms are. Oh, man. She was How a mom in the 90s. How could she not be? Yeah. Like we, we talked about, <laughs> we talked about it, like she got, she got me like playing cards because I, I like Marvel cards. When <laughs> Kevin <I was> Costner <laughs> playing cards? Yes. No. Uh, yeah, because... Uh, Get the fuck out. No, no. They, they were they were trading cards from the movie... Uh, <laughs> you could trade with your friends who also <laughs> yeah. had Kevin Costner playing cards. <laughs> yeah, look. in this, He's holding a coffee in this one. Do you want to trade for holding a baseball? Um, <laughs> it was kind of like that. It was the Robin Hood movie that he did that came out with trading right. cards. Right. Prince yeah. of Thieves. Prince of Thieves. And so he he was in all the trading cards and uh, my mom got them for me because she was like... You didn't get any Rickmans? No Rickmans. I oh, think I might have gotten got like, a bad pack. Uh, I think I might have gotten a Rickman. You know, yeah, I gotta go Rickman. You but wish. yeah, my mom got this for me. Is like, well, this is something that I enjoy and maybe you'll enjoy. And, you know, <laughs> oh. I don't know. It was something. It That's was like so weird. It was like these, these are the movies that we like. This is a trading card. It was like, like the reverse of like uh, conservative dads like fearing that their kids will be gay or something. Just like her putting Kevin Costner playing cards on top of your Playboy magazine. Oh, I, I'm pretty <laughs> Pretty sure my mom like secretly wishes I was a gay for sure. She would have been like, we could have gone all the way. Like, I don't know. Um, Blaine, new Kevin Costner movie coming out. Kevin Costner oh, could have so been dreamy. my son-in-law by now. Um, anyway, so I saw this movie. That's a long-winded way of saying I saw this goddamn movie. And Dude, uh, so, did your mom take you to see it? No, I think we like she rented it, and I think she was really worried about it being too steamy for me as a kid. But there was like you saw. I hate that I know this about Kevin Costner's oeuvre, but like you see Kevin Costner's butt in in <laughs> Prince of Thieves, like that's way more steamy than this. Blaine movie. has an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> of all the movies wait, that wait, you wait. see. Kevin hold Costner's on, hold butt. on, hold on. Was that in a trading card? <laughs> it was on the back of one trading card. Oh, okay. It was like a special hologram. It was pretty good. <laughs> there, w- there was a movie. When you move it, you can see the cheeks wobble. <laughs> There was a movie, oh, I can't remember what movie it was. It was a later costume. So embarrassed about this. And you he did like a full frontal nude scene. Oh yeah. Where like you saw his penis, but in the yeah. test screenings everyone laughed <laughs> and they had to take it out because it would just like ruin the drama of the moment because everyone like giggled at the sight of his dick. Yeah, penises are funny. Yeah. That's sure. true. Yeah. They look anyway. So that's when I first saw it. I don't remember anything about it. I think my mom, like, I saw just bits and pieces because my mom was like, "Oh, they're going on a date." And Wait, you saw his like, bits and pieces? I thought you <laughs> were talking about. It's a full frontal scene, cut out of this movie. No, uh, I just saw bits and pieces of this movie, not of Kevin Costner. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> so, did you like it? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. 
Uh, but I remember this song being like used as every song in this movie. Like I remember, like it's such an iconic song. I, I, like the, I remember that being plastered throughout this movie. And uh, go on, sing the rest. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll save people from that. But it's not in until the end. It's yeah. not until the very very end. They like, the like last show scene. restraint. Yeah, I know. I'm like I could have that in the first five minutes. You know. <laughs> but they also have they have some other like Whitney Houston hits. Yeah, like the Queen of the Night is is one of them was that, that plays in it. Was that like one of her songs, or did they, they write it for the movie? I think they wrote it for the movie because the movie within the movie that she was winning the Academy Award for was it's called Queen of the Night. Yeah, like that's a bit too meta if she's winning for a movie based on her own song. Well, it's they like, also they, this movie was I know was nominated for two original songs. Yeah, so that so may have been one of those. But yeah. I know there are some. I know because my wife told me while I was watching it, there are some <laughs> songs that were real Whitney Houston songs yeah. before the movie, in the movie, for as sure. uh, Rachel Marin songs. Yeah, and they were looking for, like, f- to cast Rachel Marin, they were only looking for song singers. Song singers? Yeah, you could just what call them those singers. Called? Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if, you were, <laughs> if you were so inclined, you could just call them singers. It but, is really uh, hot. Uh, it's so today. hot. I'm going to blame everything that goes awry with this episode on that. On the heat? Yep. Okay. It's just going to be like a normal episode, though, but we get to blame something. Yeah, that's true. All right, sweet. I'm blaming uh, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the scapegoat. I usually am. Rob, do you want to run us down the, the plot of this intricate movie? I will. Written by Star Wars scribe Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. I was joking earlier that this was originally a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it actually would have made, like, this plot would have made a better plot to Solo than Change. actually Solo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, well, yeah. well, let's be clear. He didn't write the first Star Wars. He wrote Empire and Jedi and yeah, Force Awakens and uh, Young Han Solo. <laughs> and the worst. <laughs> he, maybe before we get into the rundown, just I want to quickly mention the backstory. Did you guys read this? That he This was the first script that he wrote or the Whoa. first script he sold? That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, because it's so, it's like simple. It's very it's, simple. It's direct. Yeah. It's simple. He wrote it in the 70s and sold it to Warner Brothers. And he wrote it for Steve McQueen. The And right. Steve McQueen and Diana Ross were attached to yeah. him. Wow. And the rumor was that the movie never got made because they kept arguing over who got top billing. Oh, Both Diana funny. Ross and Steve McQueen wanted to be billed highest. But because of selling that script, that got his career jump-started. The next script he sold was to Amblin, where he met Steven Spielberg, who pitched him the wow. job of writing Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Which, you know, led to Empire. So all of those, you know, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, you know, The Empire Strikes Back, it's all of those. Of it, it literally is because of the bodyguard. Wow. How strange is that? So a movie that, like, none of us wanted to see when we were kids is the reason for every movie we saw as a kid. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That's crazy. So let's get into the plot of this. Let's do it. Okay. So it starts in silence. The credits, Whitney Houston, Kevin Costner, then shots ring out. Did she get top billing? I don't know. I don't pay attention to that shit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> He's sh- not Diana Ross. <laughs> <laughs> or Steve McQueen. Mm. I mean, it has Kevin Costner. He's like throwing somebody to the ground and he shoots somebody. And he's like, he's saving somebody's life. He is... A bodyguard. <laughs> That's why the movie's called A Bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> any bodyguard, yeah. Uh, it's, it's weird, though, because you don't see anyone in that scene. He's just shooting into the dark. 
Yeah, you don't you don't get any context either. Like Kevin Costner just kills a man yeah. <laughs> in the opening seconds of this movie. Yeah, and then the next scene is just like him and the guy that he works for and having like guy. a glass of scotch. Yeah, the old man with the ponytail. That was yeah. such like a '90s thing. I think oh, once man. like Sean Connery did it, the uh, ponytail with the long hair. When you uh, have gray hair, it yeah. gave like every old dude the license to grow their hair again. Yeah, yeah. That guy looked like if Bob from Twin Peaks. Like, <laughs> became a stockbroker. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, and he's so, he gets so personal with Kevin Costner so fast. Sorry, Frank Farmer. Who's <laughs> the guy's yeah. goddamn name? He he's gets, uh, Francis Farmer's son. Oh, that's, that's good to know. And he gets so personal so fast. He's like, so you're a bodyguard. And he's like, yeah, I just saved your life. <laughs> he's like, why? Why did? Why would you do this? Uh, it's, it's just, there's a lot of like exposition off the top that's not very... Tell me about your hopes, your dreams, yeah, yeah, your regrets. What's your arc going to be? Well, he, he does. I mean, we do find out that he doesn't – like the guy offers him a permanent position, but he refuses to take it because he doesn't want to get too lax. Yeah. But later we find out it's because he doesn't want to get – too personally involved. Right. Which, you know. That, that would have been a totally different movie if you stayed with that guy. <laughs> and I. Uh, yeah, always. But. Uh, <laughs> They're just drunk on scotch. Oh, man. Meanwhile, cut to Whitney Houston. She's in this movie and she's having like this big old party and somebody like delivers Barbie doll and it explodes. Yeah, I'm sure Mattel was thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah. No, they actually marketed that new exploding Barbie. <laughs> oh, they were desperate. Yeah, press a button, the limbs pop off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's a lot of misogyny in the 90s. <laughs> but so now she needs like real protection. And she has a bodyguard. It's Mike Starr. But he now she needs like some extra protection. So her like. He was in Dumb and Dumber. Right? Like yes, that's played, right. He, he was the heavy and dumb and dumber. Yeah. Who uh, what, what else He's is so he from? Funny. Why do you know his name? Yeah. He's is like he Martin Starr's dad? <laughs> Maybe he is. I don't know why I know it. I, I think he's just like – he's a character actor who is in a lot of things and like in a variety of things. And I think he gives a good job in everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was just weird to see him because my whole thing is knowing him from Dumb and Dumber where he's like this, com- like this comic relief in a comedy movie, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it was – he was also like kind of funny off and on in this movie too. Yeah. Well, he's sort of like played against for laughs because he's like yeah. pretty – Obviously, he doesn't want to be his position to be usurped by mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. So, anyway, Whitney Houston's manager, this guy named Devane or whatever, he calls in Kevin Costner to maybe take on the assignment of looking after Whitney Houston. So he comes in and he comes to visit her mansion, but already he's assessing the situation. Like he gives all these fake names to people to yeah. sort of see how easy it is to get in. That's how good he is at his job. <laughs> he, yeah. he can trick people using history because he keeps, he's like, I'm Thomas Edison. And <laughs> yeah, I'm led. He says that once. Oh, yeah. So he does say something about yeah. like the atomic number of something. He's just trying to show off that he like read a book. <laughs> What an asshole. How do you like them apples? Yeah. <laughs> but he gets inside and then he sees like what kind of like a house of horrors this is for in terms of security. No yeah. One's There's no her. like meat hooks and torsos <laughs> hanging off them. As Blaine would have you believe. They're just shooting a music video, Blaine. It's, you know, it seems like <laughs> a, a tightly run production. 
So yeah. why, would, why were they shooting a music video in her house? Is that a thing people do? They're just so they, lazy. They don't want to they shoot. shoot everything in her house. Like later yeah. on, we find out that like they made a whole room just for a spread in a magazine. Yeah. Right, they, yeah. yeah. It's weird. She's <laughs> a lot of money, is I think what they're trying to say. And that movie. house, apparently, oh, from what yeah. I read online, I read about this too. Was what did you read? That was the house from the Godfather. It was the house from the Godfather, and it belonged to uh, William Randolph Hearst. Oh my oh, God! Cool. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if he shot any music videos. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he had some great dubstep music. <laughs> he was really into that. Yeah. <laughs> We're rewriting history here a little bit, but, but uh, they get like introduced. But initially, like Whitney Houston is—I can't even remember her character's name. Like Rachel Marin. I I do I do remember it because, because back before it sounds like she's Mark Marin's sister. Yeah, I was gonna say before <laughs> podcasting, if you said I'm listening to Marin, it meant <laughs> the Bodyguard soundtrack. <laughs> but like, it's not a Whitney Houston is a better name than Rachel Marin. Rachel Marin doesn't sound like a performer's name. No. Yeah. Frank Farmer also doesn't sound like a human being's name. Frank Farmer sounds like a performer. They should have switched names, and then it would have been a better, more appropriate named movie. Yeah. No. <laughs> Did you love it? I bet you loved it. <laughs> what do you think, Rachel? He doesn't know Greta. Rachel, Frank Farmer's here. Do you think this is me? It's terrific. <laughs> Frank Farmer's here. Who's here? Frank Farmer, the bodyguard. I think Rory should be my bodyguard. <laughs> Rachel, raise your butt out there and come meet this man. All right, I'm up. Frank Farmer, Rachel Mirror. Hello. Hi. Wait a minute. Well, you don't look like a bodyguard. What'd you expect? Well, I don't know. Maybe a tough guy. But she doesn't want any more security. That's like the whole like bristle between them. Like yeah. she wants her freedom. And it turns out that they haven't even been telling her yeah. about most of the stuff that's been going on. That's like, the other deal breaker for him is that they're not keeping her informed about all these threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he like walks. He says he's not going to do it. But then the manager comes out. And I think that's when he uh, shows the bed and he's like, Someone jerked off on her bed. <laughs> Why yeah. is that a thing that happened? It's a weird. It was. A, it was a weird thing to put in this movie. It seems kind of incongruous with the rest of it. I'll say, yeah, and like, how'd the guy get in there? And yeah, they they come in there like, yeah, someone uh, masturbated on her bed. And he's like, did you tell her? He's, they're like, no. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> did you change the sheets? <laughs> did you do something? <laughs> like, well, god damn it. The guys. other weird thing is that they say that it's not her actual bed. It's like the set for her photo shoot or something like that right which i think is like trying to make it better (laughs) is that just the guy trying to save money on buying the actual magazine (laughs) hey you owe us (laughs) 5.99 i'm not in 1992 yeah no but yeah so he like walks he's like i'm not gonna do it yeah he's not gonna do it no but then he go back to farming he does agree to do it yeah eventually but you know they gotta they have to start telling her about things and, you know, he's going to implement all of his, like, very tough, very stern things. And we find out, like, a lot of his backstory, too. Like, he worked for the president, Mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan, and Carter. Yeah. Jimmy Carter was good, right? Isn't he the one that builds houses? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was good. (laughs) He's still alive, right? He is. He's, like, super old. I will say it's funny because the Rachel Marin character is kind of painted as, like, 
this big diva and like super demanding and, uh, you know, all these things. But for the majority of the beginning of the movie, we see all of those traits you would associate with that, but only in Kevin Costner's character. <laughs> it's like true. he shows up, he's like, so I funny. can't work like this. And he walks off <laughs> the set, the yeah. literal set. And then, uh, you know, like, and he's like, I'm only going to take the job for like $5,000. Like, yeah. he's so demanding. And like, yeah, he talks his way up through the money. Like, he like haggles. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, well, let me show you what you're paying for. And then he like starts throwing knives, but he can't do it right. Well, it's what, true. It was, yeah, I don't what understand what that scene that? was. Yeah, like he throws two knives that miss, <laughs> and then he throws one and it perfectly goes in, and then he throws one later in the movie and perfectly goes in. Is that a character arc? Like, what is going on there? Third time's a charm. <laughs> it's like, sorry, I drank a bunch of scotch with this ponytail guy earlier. <laughs> kind of threw my knife game off. <laughs> I'm so hungover. Yeah it's, yeah, it's so weird why he misses to begin with. Yeah. I just don't get it. Anyway. Yeah. But so immediately he starts battening down the hatches, getting ready for, you know, any more like masturbators to come around. (laughs) And he sort of recruits the chauffeur. I think his name's Henry. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Henry is. Yeah. To be like his assistant bodyguard. Driver. Yeah. too. Well, that too. He shows him how to like spin out the limo. Yeah. It's too bad because he teaches them all that, and then you never see it again the rest of the movie. No, he just kind of disappears, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. What happens to him? He doesn't die or anything, does No, he? he doesn't die. But there's this one point in the movie where he's like, oh, should I like use all the skills that you taught me earlier in the movie now? And Frank's like, no. I think he brings the car <laughs> around once or twice. <laughs> he, yeah, he brings the that's car kind around. Of, that's good yeah. job. Yeah, a Tesla can do that on autopilot. It's, uh, it was just like yeah. unfortunate. Like, I just wanted to see that guy have more of a day. Yeah. You know? And he also meets her son, Fletcher. Yeah. And uh, tells him that he does not like boats. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was a weird That was a weird thing. Yeah, he said, I think the dialogue is like, Fletcher's like, do you like boats? And he's like, no. And he's like, I think you really do, but you just say you don't. He's like, you're a smart kid. <laughs> what, what is that? Yeah, that kid sees through all his bullshit, man. That kid sees right to his soul. That does feel like the kind of thing you'd watch in like a pulpy 70s movie and be like, what the fuck were they on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is the, happening? The kid was like, hey, did your mom die? And you went to her funeral instead of saving Reagan's life? Is that what <laughs> What you did? He's like, how did you see that much in my soul? That's great. The other thing, going back to the Steve McQueen thing, and like, I read an interview where Lawrence Kasten said, like, the only reason he wrote this movie was because he loved Steve McQueen and wanted to write a Steve McQueen movie. So Kevin Costner is trying very hard to be Steve McQueen, even including he's got that haircut. Oh, yeah. Steve McQueen had. Yeah. But he just doesn't. No. It's not working. Cool. He doesn't have that like feeling of being like beaten down by life or yeah. like being this kind of badass the way Steve McKean. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Costner is perfect for looking like a washed up ball player. <laughs> That's like, it's <laughs> yep. ideal. They yeah. nailed it. He's a catcher. Right out of the gate. person. He's, <laughs> like, every he time is. they try to get him to do anything else. Yeah, Even in Tin Cup, which is a golf movie, he plays a washed up baseball player for no reason. He was a good merman um, or whatever the fuck he was in Waterworld. Yeah. He, Have you seen a better dude with gills? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he rocked those gills. Yeah. He he just – it's weird because he taught Whitney Houston how to act in turn, like in exchange for – 
singing lessons. Yeah, like, don't movie? you want to talk to a professional? <laughs> yeah, don't you want to talk? Well, he, apparently, the director told her not to. Did you read that? Yeah, that yeah, that she shouldn't take acting lessons because yeah. it should be like real man. Well, I think maybe like that's like the same thing. Like maybe she shouldn't go see outside lessons from like Meisner or something. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just have Kevin Costner like give her. Like the direction what that she needs. What was Kevin Costner's advice? Don't like, worry about accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just say Play things. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just baseball advice. But you know what? Whatever his advice, it fucking worked because her performance is really good. Yeah. You know what? I was really surprised too. Honestly, from like because. I don't know. There's that like thing about like you think you're great at one thing and then you go play baseball and you're not great at that and then you go back and play basketball again. I'm sorry, know? Blaine. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Michael Jordan? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm really happy that you mistook me yeah. for Michael Jordan. Though. That's Rob's first baseball career was also didn't end well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I hit that seagull. <laughs> you also could have subbed uh, basketball for country music and talked about Garth Brooks. Oh, oh yeah. Doesn't he, like try out for Chris Gaines or whatever. For the, yeah. No, well, yeah, I don't know if it's Garth Brooks or Chris Gaines, but one of them tries out for, like, the Padres every year. Do you oh, think really? this is, yeah. like, Lawrence Kasdan's Chris Gaines, and he had to go back to doing Star Wars? <laughs> Maybe. This, uh, yeah, I wanted to write, like, this really dramatic piece, but now nah, I'll just go back to doing <laughs> space fly by shootings. Uh, well, I mean, he did dr- some dramatic. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, he the has big an extensive catalog. Body yeah. Heat. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he's done lots of stuff, but this movie... The thing about her acting, I think it is good. It was a, a sort of a pleasant surprise at times. Mm-hmm. But then when we get to the end of the movie, which takes place at the Oscars, I know I'm jumping ahead. We'll, we'll get to this eventually. But the fact that her character is basically a Whitney Houston type character, but she's also become an actress and is now nominated for best actress at the Oscars. Yeah. I feel like, okay, now you're getting a little cocky movie to suggest that like she's pretty good but she's you know she's not gonna be nominated for best actress for this yeah well but i mean like if you only have like one shot why not shoot for it you know that's yeah. true yeah like eminem said yeah uh we'll talk about this. didn't he win an oscar he did he's an oscar winner damn that shows where the oscars win an oscar i i don't know well I, didn't look that up, actually. I don't know either we'll we'll make sure and we'll come back uh, after this message Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We're back. We're rewatchability. We're talking about Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner's and Lawrence Kasdan's The Bodyguard. And, and Mick Jackson. Yeah, and Mick don't Jagger forget the director of Green Slade. <laughs> oh, really? Did he, direct, he also directed uh, Volcano. Yeah. With Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, the lesser oh. Dante's Peak. Interesting. Oh, I liked it better. Oh. Well, if only we could compare them somehow. <laughs> <laughs> L.A. Story with Steve Martin. He did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's done some interesting movies. Quite a catalog. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. His trick is to tell people in his movies not to learn how to act. Don't act in my movies. I hate it. No, but I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, you're right. We don't think she's won an Oscar, though. No, she? no, yeah. we, we, we looked it up. There Did the nothing. song win an Oscar? I don't know. The song, oh like that soundtrack <laughs> was the, I think, the number one sound, movie soundtrack of all time. It's yeah. Close. yeah. And the, well, I mean, the but the iconic song from it couldn't be nominated because it was... Not original. Not right. original. It was yeah. written by Dolly Parton. Yeah, which is really crazy because Dolly Parton, when she wrote it, Elvis Presley wanted to sing it. And in that time, she was like coming up and she was like, Elvis wants to sing this. This is huge. And everyone was like, you got to give it to Elvis. But the thing with Elvis was that he would take all the royalties from your song. You would oh. own your song. So she was like, you know what? No. And she like turned, out all <laughs> she, like, turned down. Was that just Elvis having a stroke? Well, <laughs> no, he was eating his famous peanut butter and bacon sandwich. Oh, okay. But she turned down Elvis, which everyone was like, oh, Dolly, you're stupid for doing that. But then this came along. Kevin Costner was like, you have to use this song. Yeah. And, well, and it, was it made already her like, a millionaire from this. It, would all, it was already like she'd already recorded it herself and it had already been done in several different versions. Like, For sure. Released yeah. throughout the, you know, before. It was just that this movie made it a hit. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. She made, like, correct. millions of dollars off this, didn't yeah. you? Dolly Parton? Oh, like, yeah. Dolly Land is if, probably built off this song. Yeah, including, like, the weird Confederate apologist <laughs> uh, one. The Confederate, like, dinner, dinner theater? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the Civil uh-huh. War was about disagreements. <laughs> oh, isn't there a Civil War today? <laughs> oh, crap. I forgot to check on the Civil War. This is going to be really dated for <laughs> people listening to this a week from now. Whatever. Presumably they'll all have died or been enlisted. We should probably get to that part in the movie where the song crops up because they go on a the end. No, well, it crops up at the end, but first oh, they go on a, they go date. On a date. 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 Yeah, yeah. right. Well, we didn't mention that they go to a club. Yeah, and she gets like not attacked, but like stolen by like crowd surfing it was like an aggressive crowd surf yeah yeah that undertow. scene was we- weird <laughs> crowd undertow yeah it was crowd under- it was very frightening she was screaming they were like stripping her the crowd was- it was crazy yeah she was wearing that weird like yeah. outfit yeah yeah which is like kind of madonna-esque it looked i think because you saw a sculpture of it earlier i think it was modeled on the robot maria from Metropolis. Yes. Oh, that's I noticed really cool. that too. Yeah. I know a cinema thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Seven Samurai like really pop up in this oh, movie a lot. No, it's Yojimbo. Yeah. Yeah, Yojimbo. Okay. Looks like Blaine only knows one Japanese movie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> There's two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Th- three if you count Mr. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. I do. Is that starring Kevin Costner? Oh, that was Tom Selleck. Should be though. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, it was. It should have been. <laughs> yeah. Should have been him. Okay. Well, yeah. So they have like this whole like tension thing because like at first they don't really like each other. She doesn't really think he's necessary. Doesn't really want any more security. And then she's like trying on some clothes at this little shop, and she like teases him a bit. Yeah, she's she gets like, flirty. You sure you don't have to come protect me inside here, Mister Mister Big Strong Bodyguard Man? I hate that impression. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it causes me unease. Uh, yeah, but he won't even hand her a shirt, which I thought, hey man, that's just common decency. Wow, it's not his job. <laughs> no, right. I mean that's a good All point. Right. His, 
I mean, his job is to protect Defending. her, and anything that compromises that, including like a, handing her a shirt, just if being it becomes a, nice a routine of going to get her clothes and leaving her like alone, even if it's like thirty feet, I mean, that could leave her compromised, and that's the same reason why he can't get too close. But he yeah. agrees immediately to go on a date with her. Like I thought for sure there'd be at least like. Some hemming he'd, and hawing. And- yeah, or he'd say like, oh, I can't, you're not supposed to do that. And she'd be like, come on. But he, she's like, take me to dinner. And he's like, oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of, w- the way she asked him was completely natural and really lovely. Like, I, I and she was like, oh, I'm embarrassed now and I have to go. Like, it was really it was. cute. It was really nice. It was winsome, I'd say. I, yeah. I feel like this is another movie where, like, the guy that produced the movie is also, like, everyone in the movie wants, like, have sex with them, including Ponytail Man at the beginning. Like, <laughs> everyone is just so charmed to death by this guy. Yeah. It just seems kind of boring and crappy to me. Oh, he says nothing. Like, yeah. he's, that's why it seems like it's a 70s movie, because he's just this guy that says nothing and kind of does nothing throughout the movie, and then, uh, and then everyone falls in love with him. And if but, it was like Steve McQueen, it would make sense. But if, and Kevin Costner, you're just like, why? Well, this guy's just a jerk. She's yeah. a mom. <laughs> Wait, what? what, what is oh, because she's a mom in the nineties. She's a mom in the nineties. Right. She is. She probably saw Bull Durham. She's obligated <laughs> to fall in love with Kevin Costner. She has a kid. He's a big. He's a man protecting her. You know. I. You know. Going I out think buying trading cards. I didn't find the romance so implausible. I think that there's probably plenty of bodyguards who have been in relationships After with this their movie, charges. Yeah. yeah. Well, now they expected it. It probably set a bad precedent. Uh, so can we get to the date? Or uh... yeah. it's like every time you you're like the bodyguard goes for a, for an interview and, uh... and it's like, and uh, what about the happy ending? It's like, hey, hey, I'm a bodyguard through and through. You can't do this. But he takes her, he does the two things that he wants to do. He takes her to see Yojimbo. Yeah. Which, yep. which I believe means bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This movie was a remake. <laughs> Much like Star Wars was a remake of Hidden Fortress, this was a loose remake of Yojimbo. And then he takes her to like a country bar. <laughs> yeah. It's in the middle of the city. What city are they in? They're in LA, right? Yeah. What but- is this country bar? <laughs> there were country bars. Did they bars like take in a LA. private plane down to like. That's Country sad, music right? was like a fad. It like you know it went through every once in a while. Yeah. Okay. I, I buy. I buy that. Um, yeah. Well, and it's kind of. I, I kind of like that he shows off his character a little bit here. He's like the country guy, and yeah, he like likes this song that's on the like the Almond Brothers. The Almond yeah, Brothers. Yeah, it's a great song, Melissa. Yeah, he was, <laughs> it did have that tone of like, why can't you be more like the Almond Brothers? <laughs> Maybe I try to protect you more. <laughs> hey, you say your sister plays guitar? That's rad. <laughs> uh, but then they go in the back and they dance. Oh yeah, to, to I will always love you. Yeah, but like the lame white person country version. And I wondered mm. why they did that, and then it became apparent, like if they. Because the Dolly Parton version is really great because she's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. If they had played that, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't tee yeah. up Whitney Houston's Just performance at the, the end. Because yeah. she knocks it out of the park, obviously, it was a big hit song. Yeah. But yeah, having the lame cover version uh, yeah. of it is is kind of perfect. Yeah. This version was done, the lame version was done by uh, uh-huh. John Doe of the punk band X. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Getting like a punk singer to do well, but he so also he didn't even want to use his real name on this. <laughs> <laughs> he had like a country like side career after oh, 
That that's what, a lot of sense. That's like the, the, the music version of going from basketball to baseball. Right, okay. I see. I hear you. So, okay, here's something I wasn't clear about. And, like, there were parts of this movie that I missed because uh, stuff was going on in my house. But was uh, – <laughs> It was an assassin. <laughs> my kid tried to take a boat out, okay? Yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> what was the deal with Kevin Costner's, like – X was she, was she dead? Was no, it because of him? It was like it was a joke. So like she, she was like she didn't really die, did she? And he was like, mm-hmm. like I guess, playing it up. And then he was like, Nah, she didn't. That was the only joke I can ever make is but, a dead like someone dying. But then when he was talking to or she was talking to his dad later, yeah, at their country house, the dad's like, Oh, this is where we buried so and so. His mom. Oh, his mom. So like that's okay. why he missed. Reagan's assassination. Okay, because he was okay. at his mom's funeral. Gotcha. You don't yeah. want to miss Reagan's assassination. No, you want to be there for that. You get the FOMO. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I also got this confused coin. with uh, in the line of fire a lot, right? Where he Me actually too. was at Kennedy's assassination, right? I wasn't sure if like it was going to be revealed that he was actually at when Reagan, well, actually there when Reagan no, got shot. Or it's yeah. pretty tame. I think they like it. It almost makes fun of those movies a little bit because it's like, oh, your ex got shot, you couldn't protect her, and that would be the plot of any like 60s or right. 70s movie like this but then it like it's, it makes that the joke it's like no she just left me and like why would anyone leave this and she's like Haha. yeah I get that you know? but also like when they go to his house at the end of the date he's got like crime scene photos in his basement that's, that's just, just a hobby, hobby. Yeah. what the Whoa, there you go. <laughs> you've yeah. got some too <laughs> we should trade <laughs> Maybe. You have Costner cards? <laughs> I guess if they made this Crime movie now, obvious. he'd be like starting a podcast about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But they, so they like go home together. They go back to his place and like this is a weird scene <laughs> where he has a samurai sword hanging on the wall because that's he's, the only thing hanging on the wall. Well, he's like lives a samurai lifestyle. He that's, that's lives the point by where, his code. That's the point where I'd be like, oh, he's the stalker. <laughs> yeah, the only the only thing he owns is a sword. Well, yeah, they that's also a sh- mall ninja <laughs> shit. He's, he has <laughs> he has no furniture, but he has a sword and crime scene photos. Yeah, <laughs> and he like earlier, it's just a long shot of him without emotion watching her perform on TV. Yeah. And, she wa- and she, her watching him being like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be like the twist if like he was the person who'd been stalking her all along? That would have been good. Yeah. Well. Instead it's that weirdo blonde dude. Well, it's also, yeah. And another guy. It's weird because you're like, if you had that thought, you'd be like, oh, well, it wouldn't just be like a bodyguard. Do- it's totally a bodyguard doing it <laughs> as we find out at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a double Oh, the twist. bodyguard in the title is referring to the other guy. It was telling us right in the title. Who <laughs> oh, the my bodyguard. God. It was all right there. Could have figured uh, it out from the beginning. Yeah. So that's where, yeah, it's weird because they take the samurai sword out and she points it at him. But then yeah. he, he like throws her scarf in the air and it gets cut in half by the sword. Yeah. Well, to yeah. like show how like dangerous sure it is, is. Yeah. and that she shouldn't be fucking around with a samurai sword. I got this from the mall. <laughs> <laughs> Along with this gun from Halo. <laughs> this is folded a thousand times by Japanese masters. <laughs> Look at these nunchucks. At the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we're saying. And then they have sex. And then the morning after they have sex, yeah. he realizes that was a terrible ethical decision. <laughs> I think he probably realized it before, but you just have to follow through. Come on. Yeah. And she gets mad at him, and, and he's like, oh, well, yeah. You're, it, it's kind of played like 
she's silly for getting so worked up and mad at him. And I was yeah. like, he's an asshole. Yeah, he's like, like I'm mad at him. The next morning, he's just like, oh, this is a mistake. It's like, why yeah. didn't you realize that 12 hours ago? But at yeah. the same time. You know that thing you've been saying all along? Why don't you stick with it? <laughs> we should consider that, like, she has her own agency in this as well. And he's her employee. She holds power over him. Mm. You think he was pressured into taking her to you, Jimbo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but, no, that was a dick move. Uh, they're both they're both bad for doing that. Well, yeah. I think they are. I mean, for him, it was a lapse of his duty, but also, like, she shouldn't put him in that position where, you know... I guess it's a lapse of judgment on both their parts. Yeah. All right. What's going on, Frank? I want to keep it straight in my head what job I'm doing. And what is that exactly? Making me feel like shit? No. I'm sorry, this is my fault. Don't apologize, for God's sake. I mean, just tell me what I did. I'm a big girl. You didn't do anything. It was me. I got involved with my client. Your client? I made a mistake. Your client? So you're not attracted to your client anymore? Oh, Christ, I told you why. I, I, can't, I can't protect you like this. But anyway, so that makes things really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And then the sister- Because he's still going to bodyguard. Bodyguard's got yeah. a bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's awkward for him now. Yeah. Because she's seen her body. She's <laughs> mad at him and like, you know, becomes like very curt. <laughs> that yeah. was good with the seeing the body. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. They, but- cut, they cut all the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I do want to mention, just uh, I did look up, we wondered if the the songs from the movie had won Oscars. There were two songs nominated, I Have Nothing and Run to You, and both of them lost because they- Aladdin, ran, right? They ran into Aladdin. Yeah. Aladdin had two songs nominated also, and it went to uh, A Whole New World. Yeah, that's a classic. That's a great song. Yeah. And the the song from the Mambo Kings didn't even stand a chance. <laughs> Was that Mambo number five? <laughs> <laughs> the fifth song. Yeah, the, this movie was second in terms of worldwide gross to Aladdin that year. That's nuts. I thought it was seventh. Oh, really? That's what I had heard. Oh, but... maybe I got bad trivia. I'll look it up. God damn you, IMDb. <laughs> so things get weird, but she still has to like protect him. And they go to like some weird party, and that's where he meets his old buddy, the other bodyguard. Yeah, whose name is Bodyguard, I think. No, his name's Portman. It's oh, actually Portman. Natalie Portman's dad. Oh, that's great. <laughs> There's a lot of family connections in this movie. Yeah, and Star Wars connections. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. And she takes him into a room, and he's like really fucking weird with her. He well, like is sexually assaulting her from the get. You got to set it up, Blaine. <laughs> okay because she first of all she pulls fucking farmer's friend into the room to make farmer Farming. fucking jealous yeah because since he slept with her and now things are weird he she's doing it directly to hurt him yeah so then she goes in the room and, and there's that like such a 70s scene where like that woman comes up to kevin costner and is like i've been looking at you across the room all night and he's like well, go back and keep looking. Yeah, again, it's he's like, a jerk. He's such yeah, a, he a jerk. Just say no thank you. Yeah, but it's such like a 1940s detective thing to say. Like, yeah. It's like the hard-boiled, like, I don't care. But the thing shit. she said was a total 90s mom thing to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so they're making out, and then she decides that she doesn't want to anymore. She doesn't feel, like, comfortable. Yeah. Like, she withdraws consent. Yeah. And he's like, no, baby, you can't do that. Yeah. And then until she, like, basically, like, 
throws him out and like gets Mike Starr to like come in and throw him out. Yeah. So it's like it's a really like weird and intense scene, but also skipping ahead, we find out later that this is the guy who's trying to kill her or is hired to kill her. Yeah. So why wouldn't that have been like an opportune time? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is the time when he was totally alone with her. Yeah. I mean, it was Again. a little unplanned. He couldn't have known that Whitney Houston was going to pull him into a room. But, like, presumably if you're an assassin, you can be ready for that sort of thing. Like, think on your feet. Yeah, be a professional. But also, it's never – it is just a massive coincidence that the guy who turns out to be the bad guy was a bodyguard and was friends with her bodyguard. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. never explained away, right? Well, I think that it's probably like a pretty small world of like bodyguards. That's what I mean. And assassins. When he started sending threatening letters to her, do you think he thought like, "Oh, this is gonna be really awkward. It's pro- she's probably gonna hire one of my colleagues, maybe even me, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. protect her." See, she could have hired him. Like that—that's like w- within the realm of possibility. Oh yeah, in this movie, that would have been good if we found out that her manager had gone through other resumes and his was there oh, as yeah. well. It's like, oh, didn't make the cut. I just like... He was second in line. You know, he went to Harvard, and that's my alma mater. <laughs> that's how he got his daughter, Natalie Portman, in there. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Nepotism. So uh, I found that weird. Yeah, it's weird. He could have killed her in that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's not an obsessed fan, right? He's pretending he's an obsessed fan? Yeah. Or does she have a different obsessed fan who is sending, who is sending she, her the letters? The blonde guy who... Is sending her the letters. Yeah, he's the guy with, like, the locker... And he's the guy who looks creepy. Yeah, he kind of looks like if Seth Green didn't do so well. (laughs) It's his alternate path. But also, there's we didn't talk about the scene where he takes the letter to what, like the FBI or the Secret Service or someone, and it's Uncle Frank from Home Alone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Big year for him. Uh, He gives it the once over. and That guy walking around that year like hot shit. (laughs) Going to every bar and down, hey, I'm a big name actor now. It has two of the biggest grossing movies this year. 1993 would come hard for him. <laughs> <laughs> the Frank downturn. But they take one look at the letter with the, with the words cut out for magazines. And like, wow, this sure looks like it took a lot of work. No, it doesn't. <laughs> cutting some letters out of magazines like yeah. a kid called, could do that it's called collaging <laughs> yeah. you had to buy some glue and scissors <laughs> yeah. you can, can we trace that? that to a kindergarten class <laughs> really precise with these uh, paper scissors they so there. it was just a coincidence that that guy started doing that at the same time yeah or did that give the sister who we find out was the architect of this plan the idea I think that's what she says is that okay. the letters came first and then she just you know well, they go to a country house. Yeah, his like, dad's house. Oh, yeah. Farmer's dad's house. Yeah, she, he agrees. Not a farm, by no, the way. No, He agrees to keep me. protecting her, and so they go to his dad's farm. And his name, Herb Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> he is a pot dealer. <laughs> <laughs> got some basil and oregano in the back. <laughs> Dad, you're really wrecking my career if somebody finds out about this you know like secondhand smoke dad i can't take that THC. <laughs> this is in. why i lost the presidential job i pee into a cup every fucking month dad. I, I mean jimmy carter was cool with it but this reagan guy <laughs> when, when willie wife was coming to the white house it was fine actually it was an advantage and i thank you for that time but times have changed <laughs> i do want to keep like a running list of movies where like just like between the second and third acts, the 
heroes are in peril. So the thing they do is they recuperate in like a farm or a country house. Yeah, like yeah. it happens Logan. in Ninja Turtles. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Logan, yeah. Avengers 2. Yeah. There's all these movies where it's like, and it's not, it's not like objectively safer. There's less security. Oh, there's no one around. Yeah. 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 But they just like, oh, it's the country. No one can hurt the us The house here. is bigger, less defenses. Yeah. <laughs> like Further away that, from a police station. That's it's a backfires. nicer place to die. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it backfires yeah. here, I guess. Yeah, but this is, this is because he learns about the whole sister plot. Yeah. After the kid is, is almost blown up on the fucking boat. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now he that like, kid doesn't like boats anymore. Where <laughs> <laughs> are you going? Sorry. I got careless. How are we gonna get the boat back? And the funny thing is, is like Frank <laughs> sees a kid on the boat and he's like, I got the kid can't swim, so I gotta go save this kid. So I'm just gonna jump off this dock. And hit him in the head yeah. on my way into the water. Like, there's no... How was he going to save this kid? Yeah. Just yeah. let him be in the boat. Just be like, yeah, come just, back in the boat. Just yell at him <laughs> until he turns around. It's a small lake. But yeah. there's a bomb on the boat. There, He doesn't know. He doesn't know that. that. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. clotheslines this kid into the water. But when is it, like, indicated <laughs> so that Rachel Marin enjoys going on this boat? Like, it's never like, Rachel's, this is Rachel's boat, and she goes out every morning. They should have revealed that there was a second assassin who was trying to kill Herb Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your name. Yeah. And I don't like your Herb. Yeah. It's like a rival drug gang yeah. yeah it's just like a cartel like that's <laughs> intense yeah. yeah the hell's angels are like you're cutting in on our pot business yeah. her <laughs> farmer has to go the bodyguard too <laughs> and uh yeah uh yeah but so then the sister because she's racked with guilt because she didn't want fletcher to get killed yeah confesses that this is all her doing which you know you may have guessed because she's the only other character we meet with any backstory and her backstory is like how she she's been overshadowed Sister. Yeah. yeah, 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 and she comes on to you know. She tries to kiss him, and he's like, ah. "Yeah, he's not into it." Well, now his like sense of duty is you know, <laughs> yeah. But she, I'm imme- surprised he wasn't like, you know what? I'll take one. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't give her the same speech the next morning. <laughs> yeah, and uh, listen, and- baby. <laughs> I can't get too close. I gotta protect you. And I can't do it if my heart's all in the wrong place. <laughs> Bang on Costner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he said that to my that. mom. <laughs> hey, we're gonna make a uh, cornfield baseball diamond, huh? Yeah, tin cup and stuff. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm Robin Hood. <laughs> liberate Nottingham. <laughs> hey, uh, I gotta find some land. <laughs> Hey, I'm a, I'm a swing vote. <laughs> hey, God. I gotta deliver some post. <laughs> what uh, movies is he done? Waterworld. Uh, anyway, um, I got some Mothman prophecies. But uh, it, wasn't that Richard Gere? Oh, that fine. was Richard Gere. Well, How he was dare in you? Dragonfly. Hey, I got a dragonfly. <laughs> oh, you're gonna edit this down, right? I hope so. Into just like five or six of his movies. Yeah, but they, the nuance is dead in this movie as soon as her sister gets shot because she. The sister yeah. never has to like face 
the consequences of her trying to kill her own sister. Yeah. And he, she like, says <laughs> – Like there's no – No. There's no like, hey, you tried to kill me, sis. She's like, ah, I tried to kill her. And then she immediately gets shot. Yeah. Which is too bad because I wanted to see that scene. It would have been some drama. Yeah. Well, also, the whole plot line is stupid. Yeah. Because she like <laughs> – she apparently like pays no, somebody ridiculous. who's anonymous – yeah. That she doesn't know, so she can't, like, get them to stop. Yeah, it's like Bullworth or something. And then... Yeah, because she's like, he's like, where did you meet this guy? She's like, at a bar. And he says, what bar? She says, I don't know. I was stoned. And he said, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, yeah. you were... St- I mean... You were stoned? You got stoned How- and don't know what bar you went to? Oh, man. I hate when I get too stoned and put a hit out on my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Christmas 1989 was ruined. Yeah. But I, like, sort of assumed that they weren't talking about, like, weed. Like, she was probably smoking crack or something. Right. Stoned on crack. Still, she I mean, put they, a hit they, out on her sister. Call it, right? <laughs> well, Stoned on crack. I wouldn't do crack. I'd probably put a hit out on my sister. <laughs> this whole thing was, like, a weird anti-drug PSA. <laughs> yeah. Reagan. Right, yeah. 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 Right there. It, was, it was that time. But like, what doesn't make sense is... What sense it makes to kill her in the assassin's mind? Like, okay, this person paid me, so you know, has he already gotten the reference letter or what? To kill the sister? Yeah, why? Because maybe he's listening in and he thinks she's going to identify. No, she just said she couldn't identify him. Yeah, yep. it's weird. Anyway, he kills her, then and he, runs he already away. has the money. So he doesn't have to, like, follow through. If he was listening and was like, oh, hey, I don't want it anymore. Don't kill my sister Again, if you're it, listening. It makes more sense if people are trying to kill Kevin Costner's dad in a separate movie <laughs> that they just accidentally wandered into. Yeah. Also, she paid him up front in full. Yeah. You never pay an assassin and up he, front. And, she, and he was anonymous. He did, she know, so why didn't he just walk away with the money? <laughs> yeah. It was probably just a random dude. Your sister, no problem. That was like completely unrelated. And Portman killing, uh, trying to kill Rachel is completely his own thing. Nobody paid him. He's just a big fan. Yeah. Well, then maybe he wasn't going to kill her, but then he actually was mad that she threw him out of the hotel in Miami. Oh, yeah. And he was like, I'm going to solder this gun to a camera oh wait yeah so that was so let's talk about the oscars yeah we have to get to the end it's oscar night yeah john tesh everybody's asking like who are you wearing yeah oh yeah and the the, i love the like voiceover where they have to make up the names for all these fake letters and they're all it's robin billis they're all like uh electrical department in the movie oh are they it's it's kind of fun and in this alternate 1992 (laughs) the oscars are hosted by arliss (laughs) robert wool it did seem like because it's not all fake people it did seem like maybe this is a parallel dimension where like the biggest stars of 1992 somehow didn't become famous but the biggest stars are like Robert Wool and Debbie Reynolds yeah. <laughs> and then a bunch of people we've never heard of because we don't exist yeah, yeah. in that reality. Yeah. It weird. was weird. I feel like they should have peppered it with a few more like real celebrities. Yeah, they do that in movies. Well, I think and like, they, like wink wink at the celebrities. There's two ways you can do it. You can go like the old way, like in the 70s, I feel like they would have had like nobody at all famous. Yeah. You know, nobody at all. Not even Robert Wool, who just did that Batman movie a few years before this. Well, to that's be fair. true. But to just have, like, a couple or, like, they should have had, like, some, like, at least, like, one, like, winking sort of, like, you know, give me a, give me a, give me a Carrie Fisher being Carrie Fisher. Well, they had her mom. I know. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it seems so obvious. There you go. 
first uh Kevin Costner runs into his friend Portman. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, What are you who are you guarding here? And like very suspiciously, he looks up at the monitor that has Robert Wool on is like, uh, that guy. Even in this universe, Do you know that guy's where, name? Who would no. want to kill Arliss? <laughs> but even in the universe where he's hosting the Oscars, no one's heard of Robert Wool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he doesn't even know his name. He's like, ah, the, that guy, the one closest to us. That seems like realistic, though. Because he's like sort of talking down at the celebrity bodyguard gigs. He's like, yeah, it's good money, but who who cares? You know, like we used to yeah. do the real work. Yeah. And so when he's like talking down about it, it almost makes sense. Well, and isn't it more sense than the camera with the gun? Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> isn't the camera with the gun more suspicious because you know her bodyguard, whom like. You like you know yeah. that Kevin Costner's going to be there. He sees you pick up a, a, a video camera. He's going to be like, "You're a bodyguard, not a videographer." Like it's just it's just weird. Like a bodyguard would have a gun on him already, so wouldn't you just be able to like take your gun out and shoot her at some point? Like is that maybe he wanted to get away? And Maybe. they wouldn't think that it was... Yeah, but it also but, had, like, a, a sight on it, because you yeah. see, like, the red dot, which no was very suspicious. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a red dot on her on stage, and everyone's like, that's cool. Like, they, yeah. they don't see it. Literally, so like, weird. there's a bunch of real cameras filming that, yeah. that people would see. Yeah. And his camera is kind of like a special camera, because when Kevin Coster like, stops the bullet that he shoots... At Whitney Houston, he then turns and shoots the camera, and it explodes into, oh, <laughs> into the guy's yeah. face. This is my favorite part. It was it was yeah. so such a huge overreaction of that camera to explode. But then also part of it gets on like a bystander, and she starts screaming. <laughs> yeah, it's like viscera. Yeah, and yeah. it's like such like it's like three frames of just like his head exploding. <laughs> yeah. It's so out of, out of sync. With That's this something movie. for the guys. Come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, Your wife uh, drags you to the bodyguard with the Kevin Costner. You got to see somebody get shot through a camera. And then this is where this is where we hear the song for the first time. No, it's not. No. Yeah. Well, no, you, you haven't explained. This is why you don't do the rundown. Okay. Well, you I'm, haven't explained. Kevin Costner like saves her life. He's gotten shot. He may be dying on the stage of the Oscars. Like, finally, this is going to do something for the ratings. <laughs> if anybody's yeah. still tuning in towards the end, it's yeah. like, you know. I would much rather watch someone get gunned down than, like, Neil Patrick Harris's shtick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But, it's the first time that the Oscars were on time, though. So that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. They were an hour and a half early. Yeah, it works <laughs> better someone than was the orchestra. <laughs> But so he's dying. He saved her life. He shot the other guy. We don't really know what's going to happen. And then the next scene is like the epilogue of sorts, you know, where, where the like. The song starts. Yeah, but oh it starts when like they're like running towards each other. Yeah, she got to get. Oh, it's like the rom com thing where she gets on the plane and then she's like, stop the plane. Yeah. She gets off and she runs towards him and hugs him and they make out. But the moment that like, because it starts off soft. Yeah. Right as like the planes pulling away, yeah, and well, then it's acapella, and it like comes dramatically as she makes like the thing, yeah. and it's fucking beautiful. The drums come in, <laughs> yeah, the beat drops, and like the beat does not drop, Blair. <laughs> but my Everyone heart did. On e was really into this song, <laughs> but your heart did. That's really nice. Well, I, I just think that like this is actually like a really good use of the music. The fact that they sort of like wove it into the story and, you know, it becomes like this thing that she's doing for him, like as a way of thanking him for saving her life. Like, it's beautiful. 
It's like epic, and like I think it's like one of the most. It's like this movie's kind of like you could throw away a lot of this movie, but the performance of that song and that moment oh, yeah. where it happens is like really nice. Yeah, yeah, I th- thought so too. I thought it was like that. All those moments were well directed. I like whatever was happening in the background while she was singing that song. It's also it's hard to separate yourself from knowing that that's the hit song from the For movie because sure. when you hear it at the bar, you're like, okay, that she's going to sing this at the end. But at the time, if you just went to see it, like, yeah, I'm sure it was imbued with all this meaning because yeah. that's the song they danced to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got shot. I'm sure they also released the song like prior to the movie, so everybody was already like hearing it on the radio and like, oh, oh this oh, is the song. True. Yeah, I gotta go see this movie, and then they're waiting the entire. That's actually kind of clever too. They're waiting the entire song. movie for it. Yeah. And when it hits, it means something. And that's kind of cool that, like, the meaning for the song is woven into the script, too. Like, she's doing this thing because it's his, it's one yeah. of his songs. But apparently it was a, a different song in the script. I think it was Costner yeah. that wanted. Yeah, well, it was uh, Friday Your Tomatoes, Eyes by uh, Stole the Song. Yeah. Did you guys read about the sequel that Kevin Costner wanted to make? What? When I tried to look up the sequel, all I found was The Bodyguard 2 starring Tony Yaw. And so I was like, that doesn't sound right. No. Well, they didn't make it because uh, this is all according to Kevin Costner. Okay. But according to Kevin Costner, he was in talks with Princess Diana. Oh, wow. Who is going to basically play herself or I guess like Whitney do like a fictional version of herself and would again fall in love with uh, Frank Farmer. Wow. And he just like tossed Whitney Houston aside. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't care. Jesus. She might have tossed him aside. Yeah, actually. She's a flighty pop star. We, we don't actually know if they're together at the end of the movie. We know no, she gets we off just, the plane. I kind of took it as the, that they aren't. Yeah, there's that possibility. Because wait, she makes the guy turn the plane around <laughs> just so she can mack on him for like one last time? Well, uh, no, but also like they point out that that's the, diva behavior. Well, and it's the Dolly Parton song is like a melancholy it's song about song. like saying goodbye to people. Yeah. 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 That would have been oh yeah either the worst movie ever made or interesting. But he also said that it was going to be about like him protecting her from like paparazzi. Oh my god! And that he got like a draft of the script like the day before she died. Oh no! Now this is all the source that we're citing for this is Kevin Costner's brain. Right. So I don't. I can't say <laughs> like for a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I can't for 100% sure say that this was going to happen, but... He he, sees Ray Liotta everywhere. He's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But he did did say this in interviews, that that was going to be The Bodyguard 2. And there was a... uh, They turned it into like a stage musical. Did you guys see that? Not the the, the first movie, not the second script. (laughs) Not the hypothetical Princess Die movie. So what do you guys think? Is this movie rewatchable, Rob? Ah, like kind of. (laughs) You know, it's something that I I don't really feel very passionate about it. Like I sort of recognize like there are parts of it that are good. But at the same time, it just seems like there's so much that's kind of disposable about it. Like the love story and like the whole like murder plot is ridiculous. Yeah. So it doesn't really add up to like what it should. But I think that... On the other hand, like, Whitney Houston's performance is great. I think Kevin Costner is fine, and some of the other parts are kind of nice, too. And as, like, a movie, I think it's really interesting to, like, do a movie about a pop star because so many of them aren't able to make it seem authentic. Like, most movies about music, sort of, they can't make it seem like, oh, like, this is a real musician, this is a real... You know, even when they use real musicians, like, the songs are bad or they don't feel like... They have, like, the authentic character of the artist. Right. This, 
as much as I know about Whitney Houston, seems like it had like the essential character of the artist within it. And also like a big part of her music is is in it. So it becomes like this really sort of unique entity around like stupid movies where there's a bodyguard and somebody falls in love, but then it doesn't work out and there's a Dolly Parton song. So I'm going to say mildly rewatchable. Yeah, what about you, JM? Uh, no. <laughs> As you smush your face. Uh, yeah, in I don't consternation. know. I mean, I didn't hate watching it. It's it's just it's kind of a silly movie. I mean, yeah. that's what I was alluding to earlier. I find it funny that like I remember so many adults watching this when we were kids, and it's like, yeah, it's it's so silly. Yeah, but there uh, were like sexier movies around this time, like. Isn't it like Basic Instinct, like ninety four and stuff like that? Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't think that it was necessarily like that. But oh, okay. I, I don't know. It's just it's it's just silly. Like all the reveals are, you know, the the double twist that it's oh, the sister and then it's it also the friend. The yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just it's, it's like the reveal is the two people. He it was two people that he knew through different ways i don't know it's uh, uh no it's it's dumb he actually introduced them he was too stoned to remember <laughs> <laughs> thanks dad yeah. uh yeah no i i would say maybe mildly not rewatchable like i i enjoyed watching it yeah now but you know it's not something i i feel the need to revisit yeah if it had been steve mcqueen again it would have been better <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big if he's not playing I thought baseball that was a car <laughs> what about you Blaine I didn't remember so much of this movie and I thought it was kind of like more dramatic and more like script driven and there was a lot more acting in this movie than there was when I rewatched it so I was kind of disappointed in that realm although there were some scenes where I like laughed out loud or really loved it or surprised by the camera exploding the <laughs> the scene where the other bodyguard like can't protect her because he goes out a different door and Frank Farmer doesn't like tell him where the limo is. And then he comes home after walking home in the rain and starts trying to beat up Frank Farmer. And every oh, yeah, time, and pulls oh, a yeah. knife on him. And pulls a knife on him. And, and then, then he's just like, it's fine. You can come back to work tomorrow. Yeah. 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 That, why? He like gave him a promotion, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my favorite part about that scene was that he was just like, they, there's no words through the entire scene. And then at the end of it, when the guy is like beaten to a bloody pulp by Frank, Frank goes, and I don't want to talk about this again. Again. And then he leaves the room. And I, I kind of liked that. It was a very, like, I don't know, rogue-esque. I don't know. It was, it was a nice moment. I thought it was well But he's, all, he's such, like, a tight ass. You'd, be, you'd think he'd be like, actually, you know, that was super unprofessional. And yeah. I, I'd prefer yeah. people on my team that, that won't attack me. Yeah, fair enough. He also, like, they got into a knife fight, like, where they both had knives. And then Frank just threw his knife. And I was like... That seems like a dumb thing to do in a knife fight. Especially since he missed up. those two times. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. I know. Maybe really he was weird. aiming for his face. But I'd say it's it's uh, it's really on the cusp of rewatchable for me because I it was kind of a, uh, nice to rewatch it after not seeing it for all these years. But I don't think I'm going to rewatch it again. Would you so, watch it on TV with your mom? God, no, no. If your mom called and said, Blaine, would you come and watch The Bodyguard with me? I'm just feeling a little bit lonely. I just I wouldn't want to watch like two movies in a row. I wouldn't want to watch Prince of Thieves and then that. And we always have to watch Prince of Thieves. So, And no, it's not it's not rewatchable. I'm going to say no to this movie. But I want to thank everyone for listening this week. Thank you for tuning in and and, uh, and listening to Rewatchability. And uh, we're going to have. (laughs) All right. You guys are going to sing over this. And we will have another live show coming up very soon. Um, so if you liked My Girl, the live show, you can come on out. Uh, and if you're, that's a great way to support us. Uh, 
if you need to support us another way, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability. We will put in for uh, singing. And, uh, <laughs> we'll put in for singing lessons for Rob. And um, yeah, you want to join the conversation or sing to us, you can go to Facebook or Twitter or all of your podcast apps. You know, rate us on there and tell people about it. That really helps. Word yeah. of mouth. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.